Christian life. The words are based on Luke chapter 24, verse 29, where it said the two disciples on the road to Emmaus cry out to Jesus saying, uh, stay with us, abide with me because the day is almost over and evening comes. So it actually comes from that particular text where two people are walking away from Jerusalem. They have uh, had a lot of hopes and expectations put into Jesus being the Messiah, the Deliverer, the one who's going to come to throw out the Romans and end poverty and bring the new kingdom of God. That was their expectation. But sadly, that expectation was dashed because on Good Friday, Jesus was staked up between heaven and hell and he died. And they're now walking away from what they see to be a complete failure. And on that road, Jesus meets them. And for some reason, they don't recognize him. Maybe he's disguised, his presence or whatever. We won't go into the whole explanation of that now. But as he's walking with them, he begins to explain to them the scriptures. He opens up the Bible to them from Genesis through to Malachi to explain how the Messiah needed to suffer for the sins of the world, fulfill then the requirements of the law. And then as he was explaining that, the Bible says that their hearts glowed, warmed within them. This is the incredible dynamic when the eternal reaches down into your heart and your soul and your heart burns within you. Most people will meet God at that level of revelation. That's normative Christianity. There are those examples of, like myself, I came to faith because I actually met Jesus. I, I was blessed to have a physical vision of Jesus that radically turned my life around from being a junior gangster, idiot, alcoholic, manic depressive, all that sort of stuff, into what you see today by the grace of God. But not everybody sees visions. But everybody comes to faith somewhere on the way, the Word touches you here and your heart burns within you you have that response they didn't fully understand what it was but the eternal was becoming incarnate into their lives and they want jesus to stay and so they say stay with us abide with us the day is almost over and evening is coming stay and out of that flows this great hymn one of the incredible truths that we have from the Bible is that God is with us. In fact, he never leaves us. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 is that God says, I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you. The Greek is incredibly emphatic. It says in the Amplified Version, I will not, I will not, assuredly not, Relax my hold upon you. Take my hand off your life. I will never leave you alone. I will never reject you. I will never leave you alone. For I am with you. And if that's in your heart today, if your heart can glow there, everything changes at that particular note. Because if God is with you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, then how can you be defeated? If God is with you, then how can you fail? You cannot fail because God is with you. 
And look, let's be honest, there are times when we're not walking in the knowledge of that. There are times when we may feel that he's playing hide and seek with us. There are times when we can be dark and we can be locked in our own little prisons of depression and pain and angst and all these sorts of things. We understand that. But the fact that I don't sense God doesn't mean that he's not there. He is always there. He is Emmanuel, God with us. You know, God's not upset with you. For some of you, that's a revelation. God is not cross with you. God might be cross with some of the stupid... Sorry, forgive me, dear Jesus. God might be a bit cross with some of the stupid things you do. But God is not cross with you. He loves you. He is with you. And he's wanting you to choose life. He's wanting you to choose peace. He's wanting you to choose joy. And some of us are just crazy enough to say, no, God, I'll do it my own way. Thank you very much. I will make my own choices. And guess what? The more choices you make that are based on you pleasing you is going to take you to more selfishness, more suffering, more sickness, more heartache, more, more tragedy. And we are just telling you what the Bible tells you or Cosmopolitan magazine. That's the truth. The more that you live a selfish life, the more destructive that will be. Jesus says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. The Greek is emphatic. There are five no's in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. No, 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 no. I will not forsake you. I will not take my hand off you. I will not reject you. I will never leave you alone. How many times has God had to say it before we believe it? God loves you and he's on your side. He wants to take you home. All is forgiven. And all you have to do is come home to a loving God who's prepared a place. There's a bedroom for you. It's kitted out. It's got a plasma screen. It's got everything you want. God wants you to come home home he will never leave you never forsake you with god on your side how can you lose i've had a very challenging couple of weeks incredibly challenging whoops i'm in the hole because you know what jeff shared around communion is what we often say in church and we believe it don't we that god can forgive anyone that God can actually redeem and lift any soul. That's what we believe, isn't it? I've had a couple of weeks where I've been really challenged on that. Challenged on this whole idea. Is it ever right to throw away a human life? You know, I'll pick you and I'll work with you. But this one here, I'll throw you away. It's really challenging to say that I believe in grace. But when God's using me as the instrument of grace, what do I do when it's hard, when it's difficult, when it might be unfruitful, could be unsafe, expensive? When do I say someone is beyond the grace of God? Someone's beyond God's 
reach of love. What circle do I draw? These are the people that I put in the circle of the people that God can love, reach out, minister to. But outside my circle, you know, I won't have this person or that person or the person with that particular problem. Outside my circle, I won't have homosexuals, pedophiles. You know, is that really God? Is it really grace? You know, because I want to tell you, this has been real. This has been in my face. When the tactical response group raids your church, it's in your face. (laughs) Isn't it, Carol? When you're dealing with a person who's very broken, incredibly challenged, violent background, where do you say, God loves you, God bless you? (laughs) When do you say, now, this person's beyond. I, 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 I'm just being very honest. I don't know. And I'm wrestling with that. But one of the things that comes back to me is, except for the grace of God, that is me. And, you know, we, we make these comparisons. Well, I, at least I didn't do that. But, hey, I, I know I did this. <laughs> and I, it wasn't like that, but hey, I did this. it's amazing how... We want to make that conditional on what's comfortable. No, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I pray that God would always use me as someone in which actions of love and of grace can come out of. A number of years ago, we had a man in our church who came with a violent background. He was a former bank robber had the tats, met God in jail, came out of jail. For a season we worked with him. And it was incredible the amount of pressure I got from good Christian people who felt he wasn't the sort of person that should be coming to our church. I would meet with this young man every Saturday for over 12 months for breakfast. Missed a couple because I might have been away or sick or whatever, but virtually every Saturday I met with him. And I'd people say, Mike, you're wasting your time. Why do you waste your time with someone like that? I thought it was interesting because another person might say, why am I wasting my time with you? (laughs) It's it's, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, because maybe that attitude is not the right sort of kingdom attitude. But, you know, they they did. They've been doing good, got married, doing well, loving Jesus, attending church, running a connect group. You know, that's... That one's a victory. Thank you, Jesus. That's a great one. You love that. But, you know, you're not always going to get a victory either. We're going to have our failures as well. But I think God calls us to be faithful rather than successful. You know, we've been helping this young man. And about day two, I have been fairly extravagant with trying to help him. And that day two, this is what he says to me. He says, Mike... Are you doing this because it's just charity and you've got to do it because that's what churches have got to do? Now, is it your job or do you really care? Mm. That's a good question, isn't it? Who knows that they want to know if we really care? Anybody can put food on your table, but do we really care? Do we really love? 
Do we really love when it's awkward? Really. Wrestling it through. Incredible. I want to keep people safe, etc. Recently, uh, we have been babysitting a pastor's horse. One of the things that we do is that uh, Monique is a great animal lover, which is my theory is why she married me. It's true, true, because, you know, it wasn't quite as good as I used to be. And uh, so we've got a pastor's friend, and uh, her horse was in foal. They couldn't afford to keep it anymore, so we brought it to our property. And this, this horse looked like it was going to have 10 babies. It was just humongous. And sitting all the grass down, all the rest of the yard. But, you know, there's a lot of anticipation about the baby foal. Anybody like babies being born, you know, little furry things. Oh, it's cute, you know, and it's, uh, it's ghastly, but it's cute, you know. <laughs> So we've been looking forward to this horse being born and eventually the horse is born, the little baby's born, but the mother rejects the foal. It, it happens for some reason. Now with horses and with some other livestock, this is actually quite fatal to the foal because even though the foal is live born, the mother produces a chemical in its milk for the first 24 hours called, if my wife was here, she'd correct me, I think it's colostrum. Does that sound right? Any Colostrum. She produces colostrum for 24 hours, maybe 48 hours. If the baby doesn't get colostrum in that time, it will die. And nothing can save it. Because basically, unlike human beings, the antibodies and the immunoglobulins, and uh, Jason could probably tell me all the other goodies that are in it, get passed on often to the little baby child through the placenta. But with horses, it comes through the milk in the first 24 hours, 24 hours, 48 hours. So the mother rejects it. This is a death sentence for the foal. And whilst we tried to run around, uh, use up our uh, spheres of influence and stuff, we did get some uh, cow's cholesterol from a dairy farmer in the area, but the foal died. It's sad, isn't it? Very sad. Psychologists talk about the idea that when you're born, you should be experienced to an environment of deep love, the sustenance of the very early parental contact. That the way you were designed, the way God designed the world to work is that when you're born, you're born into a place where you feel deeply loved, deeply cherished. And if for some reason that doesn't take place, then you'll grow up in life with a deep sense in here that you don't belong, that you don't matter, that you're unloved. And whilst you might be in an environment where people are loving you, supporting you, embracing you, cuddling, whatever, for some reason deep down in here, you do not believe it's true. Uh, Some writers have called it the father's wound that the ones who deeply struggle in life have had a detachment, a breaking down there, a deprivation in there where they do not feel deeply loved, deeply nourished, deeply cherished, that they're an accident, they're a nuisance, that they're just in the way, that mum and dad aren't theirs, you know. You know, my daughter's told me that, you know, we're adopted parents, you know. Deep wounds in here. And as they grow out, grow up, 
they are hardwired then to try and find love, significance, safety and security in the wrong places because this is breaking heart. Horrible things. We had a lady here a number of years ago. She's left our church. She's given me permission to tell a story. She used to stand here on stage and minister as well. But we'll call her Trudy today. Trudy uh, was born into a home. Her father was an alcoholic. And her father uh, introduced her to sexuality at a very early age. She was sexually abused. Her mother was a prostitute. And so her early memories are memories of men and women coming and going. Eventually she was being shared as well. She then becomes an alcoholic, chronic alcoholic. It's interesting that a part of her acting out, she ran away from home at 14 years of age, lived with a man who basically became a pimp as well. There's a part of her acting out, she had tattooed on her whole body a snake all the way down her body. You know, you wouldn't see it if she was uh, uh, clothed, but unclothed there was this tattoo of a snake through it. And she's really lost, deeply hurt. She hasn't had contact with her father for about five years and she's got nowhere to live. She's living on the streets, a very attractive girl, but she's got no place to go. She's living on the streets. So she rings up her dad, arranges to meet with him, and she tells a story that she's on this bridge and uh, this is where she's met, uh, chosen to meet her father. And uh, she's actually thinking... You know, I hope my dad just can give me some little sign, some little hope, something to say that I'm worthwhile, that I belong, that I've got a place, that my life's not a waste of space. Just some little sign that I'm loved. Otherwise, the option was she was going to throw herself off the bridge. That was what was going on in her mind. Her father comes along. He's drunk as usual, so he doesn't make sense. Have you ever tried to talk to a drunk? Um, they're always right. And so the, the thing went a little while, and, and he says, Dad, Dad, you've got to help me. He's got a cigarette butt in his fingers, and he flicks the cigarette butt down onto the, onto the top of the bridge just like that. And he says, Trudy, that's all you are to me, a piece of rubbish. Your life's rubbish. And then she went on to prove her dad right for the next 10 years of her life. I am just rubbish. Powerful, isn't it? Yet there is a God who has never left her, never abandoned her. God is always there. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, God is still going to be chasing you. And what you really need to hear from me today, not to hurt you, not to put you down, but to rescue you and to give you a life and a hope. It's a devil who comes to kill, maim and destroy, but Jesus comes to give us life and life to the full. This man that I'm trying to help, and I'm going far too far this morning just being honest with you, 
but eight years of age. He's been raped by his father constantly, sometimes at gunpoint. And he's crying in his sleep. God, why don't you help me? God, don't you care? God, help me. Rescue me. And you know what? God was there. God was there. And God loves him. And God has always been with him. And God will never leave him and never forsake him. This week I met with a lady who is the current Australasian director for Exodus Ministries. Exodus Ministries is a a uh, very small group of people that try to help those with a gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual lifestyle. And uh, it's a re- very difficult ministry because the, they, uh, they are constantly being attacked by overt military, you'd almost call terrorist-type terrorist tactics to try and destroy them here in Australia. You wouldn't believe some of the stuff that goes on. That community can be highly mobilized, highly financed and highly aggressive. And she shares her own story of how she spent many years as a lesbian in different lifestyles, an abuser. She was abused by her father. She became an abuser, violent, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain. And in all that, she found Jesus. And today she's uh, married and she's been an ordained Assembly of God minister for over 20 years, happily married. And all she does is is try to seek to help people who are hurting and in pain. And she says over and over again, when she talks to people caught up in these lifestyles, in here there is this father's wound. There is this deep sense of I'm not loved. I'm not wanted. I am rejected. And out of that, the enemy comes to say, this is where you'll find it. This is where you'll get it. And, of course, it's a total lie and a total fabrication just takes to very bad places. Friends, we've heard a great hymn today, Abide With Me. The language is a little bit old, but in that, the the hymn writer is stating a truth, living life for many seasons, that God is with us. He's on our side. The book of Romans says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I want you to know today on the authority of God's word, that God is for you, he loves you, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life and the sooner we turn over the control of our life to the master, instead of being in the control ourselves, wanting to drive the wheel ourselves of our life, the sooner you will find rest and joy and peace in God. I love that song. The greatest day in history. I love it. The greatest day... I want to tell you, the reason why I love that song is for me it's true. The greatest day in history was the day when I found Jesus Christ and I was born again and all the old stuff was over, thank you Jesus, and everything became became brand new. I've got to believe that because the old Mike was a very bad man. Thank God for the new Mike in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. So what I would like to do today is a little bit busy, a little bit different. I would love to pray with people this morning, personally, one-on-one. 
I'm going to get the band to come up again and to sing that song, Abide With Me. But I would like you to come forward this morning. This is the person I want to come forward this morning. If you can identify this deep pain in your heart, an alienation, you don't belong, you feel unloved, you feel deeply rejected, deeply forsaken, I would like to pray this morning that God would heal the Father's wound in your life. That God will touch you and move something within you that will take you to a better place. That's my hope and my prayer today. I'm going to believe for miracles. Because unless you deal with this, this deep pain here, being in church won't help you. Listen to a sermon won't help you at all. It's actually letting God fix the pain in your life. So... For this one, we can stand and you can sing. If you would like to come forward for prayer now, I invite you to come out to the front and I will lay hands on you. Gently. Let's stand.